0: Happy 4th of July, thank you. I got a few responses, a few responses. I'm just thinking about uh, all all the stories uh, that have been going on, and I'm thinking about that great phrase, share the mango. I stand up here to preach, but I'm processing so many things. It's like, like, wow, maybe I should change my sermon. Lauren, come up here a second. In addition to wearing uh, a strikingly patriotic top and having a bunch of lay-on, she just sailed across the ocean in a sailboat with Julie. And I don't know, I just feel like picking on you because I haven't seen you in a few weeks. And, uh, so you sailed across the ocean in a sailboat. In 30 words or less, how was it?
1: Really hard.
0: That's two. You have twenty-eight.
1: Oh jeez, you're awful. Okay, um, it was epic. You have Twenty-six. Uncomfortable, wonderful, and terrible, all at the same time. And we we basically call it amnesia. Um, you have a really couple hard days. Winds are howling, and the boat's just going crazy, and you have to hold on for dear life to move ever. And uh, and then you get a calm day, and you're sitting on the you know in the cockpit, drinking a beer, listening to Jimmy Buffett, and you're like. This is amazing. It was never hard. It's fine. It's fine, you know. So like, it's it's a crazy roller coaster ride.
0: And, and quickly, what kind of boat was it? For Fifty-one the, like, foot uh, monohull
1: uh, catch rig, so three sails and
0: fifty-foot yeah. sailboat. Yeah. So terrifying extremity, and then Jimmy Buffett afternoons with beer. Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> like life. <laughs> why did you do something like that?
1: I've always wanted to.
0: Yeah, but why?
1: For the adventure of it, and, and seeing if I had what it took to do it.
0: For the adventure, and to see if you had what it took to do it. I will accept that. Thank you very much. You can sit down. I don't know, what's with the, is it your birthday or something? Yeah, is it your birthday too? <coughs> I picked on you for your birthday, because I knew it was your birthday. All right, for the adventure and to see if she had what it took to do something like that. Anyone want to sail across the ocean in a sailboat? All right, next time you can go. Talk to Julie. Um, In a slightly related question, do you want a mission that costs your life? How many? You want a mission that costs your life? Anyone? Three of you. Okay, all right, great. You don't want a mission that cost you your life? I'm thinking about that this week, and I think really, if you would stop to think about it, a lot of you would at least say that the answer is not necessarily no. Uh, I think there is something in most of us. There is a there is a kernel of adventure in a a, a seeking for extremity and bursting through frontiers. I, I just think that's part of what makes us human. And there is an interesting relationship between that adventure sense and faith, I think, the life of faith, and certainly the life of faith to which Jesus calls us. Anyway, just put a pin in that thought and and let it rotate in your mind a little bit as we talk about uh, Jesus teaching today. We're in the middle of this sermon series about doing it how Jesus did it. Um, It's a, a very clear Christian call on all of us to change the world around us. How many of you want to be world changers? How many of you want to be influential in the world around you? All right, a little more of a response on that one. Well, the idea of the sermon series is that yes, we should change the world around us. We should influence the community around us. Um, But here's a thought. Let's try to do it as Jesus did it, Uh, because he was the most changeful person who ever lived. He was the most uh, globally transformative person who ever lived, which you would admit, even if you're a complete uh, unbeliever. Uh, And so he was pretty good at it. Uh, And... Uh, and he modeled uh, some great things for us. And one of the things that's clear is that Jesus uh, calls us to sacrifice. And we're going to talk about a passage today in which the Lord very blatantly calls his followers to live very sacrificial lives. How many of you knew that? How many of you know that Jesus calls us to sacrifice for the world around us, to be generous and to be loving? How many of you know that? All right, so not a surprise, at least to those of us who have been hanging around uh, Jesus for a while. Jesus calls us to sacrifice. Another way of saying that is that Jesus calls us to extremity. He calls us to exceed boundaries, to exceed comfortable boundaries, right? So Jesus calls us to extremity. And it's astonishing that that works when you think about it. The Jesus movement is 2,000 years old. And it is based on uh, a call to sacrifice and extremity and discomfort. And it's going strong. You know, it's never been stronger in the world. And that's really astonishing when you think about it. So what's going on there? I've had a busy week. Uh, It's been kind of a crazy week. Uh, Sony and I and the kids moved out of the house that we have been living in for 15 years. And Manoa, it was a move week. How many of you know what that means? Yeah. We moved. We moved out of a family home of 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So you get it. You get what that's like, and it's been a long, involved process. Uh, and it, it's crazy because we're buying another house. We're kind of, kind of downsizing. We're altering to sort because you know our family has changed quite a bit been a tough season, some of you know, you know, we lost my grandmother, we lost Nana as well, so that's changed our family situation, and buying a, another house has been really difficult, selling so ours has been difficult. Uh, currently, our household is spread across two different locations, because we can't move into our new house, because it's got a tenant with a lease that we need to honor, and it's very complicated. Our family is about to be spread over three locations, and JoJo probably going to go off now. She has just graduated from high school, she's going to be doing her thing in a different place. If you ask me if I'm ready to make big sacrifices for Jesus, my honest response today would be, uh, I'm too tired and overwhelmed in life right now to make any sacrifices for Jesus. Can I get an amen from anyone? Yeah, be, and because we, we kind of live in that spot, you know. Uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a really, really tough year for the Sang family and a really, really tough year for me in particular and I just don't have the energy to die for Christ right now. Which, which sounds, sounds kind of silly, right? It's like, oh yeah, I want to give my life for Jesus. I want to die for Christ. But it takes a lot of energy. And, and right now, I'm just trying to get by. Uh, I'm too busy getting by to die. Uh, and, and that sounds silly, but that's often exactly where humans live, is it not? It's like, oh, I love a higher calling. And if you're a Jesus follower, oh, I'd be totally willing to sacrifice my life for Jesus. But I'm just struggling to survive right now. So it doesn't make any sense. But of course, it kind of makes experiential sense to most of us. Clap your hands if you know what I mean. Are you following me? So that, that's the situation. Theoretically, believers are are ready to lay down their lives for, for God. Because, I mean, eternity is at stake, you know. Our eternity is at stake and other people's eternity is at stake. I mean, there's nothing grander than that. So, of course, of course we'd lay down our lives for something like that. But practically, I mean, we're just trying to get by, you know. We're just, we're just so busy and we're so busy trying to make life work that we just don't get around to sacrificing our life. Uh, too hard-pressed. And it's safe to say that most of the world is just trying to get by in that way. You know, most of the world is just trying to make life work, maybe with a little enjoyment in it, maybe with a little love in it. You know, most of the world is just kind of there, you know, pursuing those things, sometimes well, sometimes darkly, but that's where the world is. Uh, but when you're, you're, you're just trying to get by, when that's your focus, you don't feel like a superhero, spiritual warrior, missionary prophet, do you? You know? And then when somebody says, are you ready to die for Jesus? It just seems very incongruent. You know? You have to be some sort of crazy person to, you know, wake yourself up to that adventure spirit in you. I don't know, you've got to get in a 50-foot sailboat and sail across the ocean to gales or something like that. I mean, nuts! Who would do that? Who would do that? Just to scratch that itch. Anyway, Jesus spoke to people who were in that place, I think. Jesus spoke to people who were really hard-pressed just to get by. And here's a very famous passage. I bet a lot of you uh, are familiar with it. From Luke chapter 9, what's going on here is Jesus has been, uh, he's been very busy. Uh, He's been healing people. Uh, He's just fed 5,000 people uh, with a, a little lunch. He's been doing all these miracles, and, and Jesus gets a little time with his, uh, his 12 closest people and uh, his followers, probably a group that would be about this size, and he's having a conversation uh, with them, and he says, who do the people say that I am? And, and his disciples say, well, you know, some of them think that you're a great prophet. Some of them think that, you know, you're this sort of leader, that sort of leader. Uh, and then uh, Luke 9, verse 20, we pick it up. But what about you, he asks, who do you say that I am? How, how are you perceiving our little group mission? How are you perceiving my leadership? What thoughts are running through your head, guys? And Peter answered, well, you're, you're God's Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the guy that the whole nation has been waiting for and needs And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things. Son of man, it was a colloquial phrase that he was referring to himself. This guy must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world to make life work out perfectly Um and yet, lose or forfeit their very self. Some translations will say, and yet lose their soul. How many of you were familiar with that passage? If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. That's a very famous Jesus saying, familiar words. Uh, but here's my take on them today. That's what I've been thinking about. When you approach a scripture passage, it's always good to ask uh, three fundamental questions. Okay, what's it about generally? what bugs you about it, and how do you apply it uh, to your life. So uh, what is this about generally? Well, it's about how the path of the kingdom, the path of following Jesus, is going to involve a lot of sacrifice if you do it right. I have this on good authority. Jesus himself says this, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be my follower, if you want to get into this, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily. In other words, you're going to have to lift your electric chair and bring it with you. You have to be ready to go to your execution at any moment. Okay, so that is discouraging. That is a really, really bad recruitment poster. right? It's a terrible symbol, which is why it has endured so much. It's just really shocking. And believe me, it would have been more shocking to the people listening at the time because the cross was a symbol of Roman persecution, right? Because the Jews were occupied by the Romans, and the Romans would execute Jews publicly on crosses every day. So it was a symbol of everything bad in society at the time. And Jesus is saying, yeah, every day, that's what we're going to be about. Who's in? Who's with me? You know. He prefaces that by saying, I'm going to die, And I'm going to be rejected by everybody who counts in society. And then you're going to die. Who's with me? So this is a really, really bad motivational speech uh, on the surface. Um, A lot of sacrifice. And that's what bugs me, to answer question number two. It should not work. Everybody who was following Jesus in that moment should have left, right? Right? Peter's like, you're the Messiah, and Jesus implicitly agrees with him, right? He doesn't deny it. He says, yes, I am the great leader that everybody's been expected. Now, I'm going to die, and so are you. That's how this is going to work. It makes no sense. It should have offended people. It should have turned them off. It should have confused them mightily. Uh, Maybe it confused them, but evidently uh, the movement does not fall apart uh, at that moment. How is it that calling people to sacrifice an unfair responsibility and burdening them with an overwhelming burden, how does that that make people want to follow you? What's going on there? It's a very provocative moment. Are you with me? Do you understand? Put yourself in that place. They didn't have 2,000 years of tradition. They were hearing it for the first time. And I think this is just a, a shocking, shocking moment. So that's what what bugs me, imagine if somebody would do that today. It's July 4th. I'm a history buff. I was thinking about, you know, recent history and current affairs. Could you imagine some political leader standing up today and saying, sacrifice more? It's really not what's going on in culture today, right? Nobody's calling us to sacrifice more. People are calling us to Hey, you should have more. You deserve more. That's what's going on, right? Uh, I was thinking of uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, inaugural address, in which he said famously, one of the, the most famous lines from all inaugural addresses, ask not what you can do for your country, no, excuse me, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And the crowd roared approval. Could you imagine somebody, some politician saying that today? Would not fly very well, would it? Times have changed. Uh, and Jesus said something way more extreme for, than that, and it didn't destroy his, his movement. And then, you know, how do we apply something like this? this, this severe statement? How do you apply it? How does it help us? And that makes me think of a question. Consider it with me for a moment. I know it's, it's kind of a weird question uh, on this bright July 4th, but... Work with me. If you knew for certain that you were destined to die for Jesus, that you were literally going to lose your physical life for Jesus, how would that make you live your life? You were destined to die for Jesus. Not much you could do about it. How would it make you live the days you have remaining. It's gonna give you a few seconds to think about it. I know it's a weird question. It's like every question I ask is depressing. I know, I know. But just how would it make you live? <clears throat> Something. Can I have? We're friends. All right. What do you think? How would it make you live? If you were certain that in a reasonable time frame you were going to be killed for Jesus, how would it make you live today? Shout it out because it's a really echoey room. You would live extremely. From Mindy, who just spent seven years by herself overseas serving Jesus, so that's not surprising. Anyone else feel similarly? How would it make you live? Intentionally. Intentionally, which is a great word. It's like, well, I wouldn't waste the time, right? If, if this mission was going to cost me everything, I would pay attention to this mission, right? How many of you were thinking something along those lines? How, yeah, you'd be fearless, that's another great one. It's like, well, all right. It's going to end very badly. I might as well not worry about it, you know if uh if uh if I die prematurely, uh well, you know in a way, I think we all are going to die for Jesus in the sense that you know we are gonna die, uh you know that's coming, and we should probably live extremely and fearlessly and intentionally, but it focuses the mind i I think in a way, that's what was going on when Jesus was having this talk with his disciples and followers. It's like, all right, I'm going to die very soon now. And, you know, you guys are going to die. He sort of says that. Who's in? And it makes them do this calculation. It's like, well, if that's where this is going, is it worth it? It's one question. But the other question is, how should I play it? How should I live it? And I think that's what Jesus was focusing on because of that word daily. Pick up your cross daily. Make this an everyday thing. I'm not talking about the moment of your death yet. I'm talking about how you live every day with this knowledge of what's coming. You know, that's the meditation that he wanted to encourage them, encourage in them. If you were destined to die for Jesus, how would you live? And I think you would live in such a way. Uh, as to make your death seem worth it, right? If you you were going to die for Jesus next month, you'd probably live a very creative month, would be my suspicion. And you would live extremely. It's something that you would try to encourage in yourself. You following me? Is that that an interesting meditation? Uh, I, uh, I remember, really, when I was coming into adulthood and figuring out what it meant to live a real life uh, for Jesus. Uh, there were a lot of influences in my life right then, uh, talking about uh, Christian social justice. I mean, this guy, Ray Backey talked about urban ministry and moving into troubled neighborhoods and being incarnational. So I did that. I moved into a very violent neighborhood and, and, and tried to make a difference in the worst place that I could find. And I, I, just, I just loved it at that time, I had a lot of supernatural experiences with the Holy Spirit, a lot of miracles, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and God was talking to me in a very experiential sort of way. And the supernatural experiences had a similar effect. When I lived extremely and when I experienced extreme things, just faith became so real to me, became so real. It sort of took over my life, and I realized that what I had all along in following Jesus was more than anything else, a hunger, that it be very, very real. I realized that once I started adventuring a little bit, that this is what I wanted all along. Anybody following me? And it was just food for my soul. I was just so happy. Never had life been more extreme, more uncertain, and never had I been more joyful and more free and more effective and more fruitful. It's like, yes, this is real. Real is the best word that I could put to it. Jesus says, if you want to lose your life, you will save it. In a lot of ways, I was losing my life. I was destroying my life. I was walking away from safety and career and stuff like that. But I was saving my life, and that word save... You know, the Greek word for that is sozo. It means more than just like saved, it means restored. It means healed, it means strengthened, right? It's a very big general word. And I felt like life was just restored, like colors became more vibrant because, I don't know, I was living with some extremity. And my, you know, my pursuit of these things cost me a lot. I had to occasionally risk my physical life in the sort of justice ministry I was doing. I tell stories about that era of my life every once in a while. But it invigorated my faith in such a way, it took over my life in such a way that it permanently changed me, it permanently reshaped me. And it's a big reason that I'm standing before you today with all the stories that I have it gave me an everyday sort of faith, right? It insisted that Jesus be part of every hour of every day, and that was really refreshing to me. And, and I, I think it maybe did save me. It kept me focused, you know, pulled me out of my depression. Um, and maybe for me, that sort of sacrificial faith was the only faith that would work, you know, because I do have kind of an extreme personality. Um, extremely dark personality so maybe I needed an extreme sort of faith I don't know it's like I'm like a uh, I'm like those people who want to stay in shape but the only way they can do it is by getting involved in competitive leagues you know or or running the marathon once a year it's like they can't just work out they have to do something extreme in order to keep them working out maybe some of you are like that as well it's not a fancy point I'm making today, but I wonder if there are people out there who are struggling to live in faith every day because they haven't made it hard enough. Isn't that a weird teaching? I wonder if, if, if some of us here or some of you out there and some of some people who were here, this at some point aren't really struggling in faith right now, who don't really have a grip on it in daily life, and are maybe feeling the energy leak out of their spirit. And maybe the reason for that is because you just haven't made it hard enough. You haven't made it adventuresome enough. And I think that would be a Jesus teaching. I think he would probably say something similar. Well, I mean, are you picking up your cross every day? I mean, does it feel a little bit threatening, a little bit wild, a little bit adventurous every day? Because if it doesn't, it's not going to be very changeful. You know what I mean? You cheat yourself by not really challenging uh, yourself. Uh, and, And, you know, call me crazy, but sometimes when people are stuck in overwhelming challenges, when it's just hard to get by in life, How many of you are finding it hard to get by in life? Just to get by? These are crazy, challenging, unstable times. It's hard just to get by in life. Well, what you need, perhaps, is someone to come along and say, well, you need to sacrifice at a higher level. You need some adventure then. You need a big challenge then. What do you mean I need a big challenge? i got plenty of challenges. No, no, no. We need to up the ante some. It's counterintuitive advice, but I think it's Jesus' advice. You know, a higher calling for a higher you. And it gives you perspective on all of the other stuff. You know, you need a calling that makes other things in life seem paltry by comparison. It puts your world in order by putting things in perspective. Life and death perspective, you know. Sometimes you need a life and death moment that can be really helpful. You know, I, I I know you're an at-home parent who, you know, homeschools three kids and your family is struggling just to pay the bills. I know, and and I know that you have you know your regular job that you're trying to do and also the side hustle that you have to do just to kind of keep the household together. I know that, and I know that you've got all these weird family pressures in, in, in your house and then your extended family, all the craziness, all the obligations and responsibilities that you have to juggle. I know. I know that. And I know that you're overcome with this haunting dissatisfaction every day and there are big problems in life right now over which you have no control. I know. I know. And sometimes in that chaos and in that burden, the only answer is to put more on the line for Jesus. Isn't that nuts? But I think that's often uh, the case. Sometimes extremity is the only way. Well, oftentimes... A little extra extremity is the only way. Almost always, extremity is the only way. And I think that would be the Jesus teaching. And that's how he did it. He called people to that, exactly. As unfriendly and uninviting as it sounds. You know, that's what he did. Jesus called people to extremity. Uh, And so, on this Independence Day, I just wanted to encourage us, don't be afraid of being extreme. Don't be afraid of a little revolution. That's my message today. I stole it from Jesus. Oh, Father, um, it is odd to think that extremity is refreshing and empowering. It's odd to think that your matter of sacrifice might be a model uh, for us. Uh, but I pray for a spirit of adventure uh, to break out among us. Uh, I pray that you would inspire us um, with extremity in our daily lives. I just want to recommend uh, to the group, uh, to various ones of you, I think the Lord is, is speaking. Uh, a great way to be extreme right now is just in the area of hospitality, just to be extremely hospitable to people, to really open your house, uh, to really share your meals, uh, to really uh, share your family. Uh, open your residence. So much good comes from that.